Andina Andina is written, read, edited and produced by me. Copyright Liz Rosales, 2014 and 2021. After dinner, Bron and Tonio lost themselves in a discussion about efficiency and solar technology in Spanish once more. I was clicking through photographs on my new phone camera, which didn't take long as I'd taken most photographs with my old-fashioned SLR. I adore the giant cacti on the islands and seeing them again on the little screen made me smile to myself. How to capture the vastness of the salt plains eluded me and we'd only seen a tiny part of them. In comparison, the pictures looked as flat and two-dimensional as a dusty old textbook. Just as Pumapunku was awe-inspiring, Tiawanaku was so much more than I could ever have imagined. Lake Titicaca had felt, however inexplicably, like home. Not for the first time, I wished I could paint and that way capture the atmosphere of the places we had visited. My photographic snapshots felt far too limiting, only using one of our senses, and the one I considered my weakest at that. Apart from that, it had been an incredible couple of days. Now tiredness was creeping up on me, so I left the men to their own devices and packed as much as possible before falling into bed. It was time to continue from La Paz to our destination, a tiny mountain town called Cordoba in the Andes. I took one last look around the apartment before bringing Kachina's carrier down. Tonio and Manolo had already shifted the rest, including Peluche, in his carrier. What a treat to not have to carry my own bags. Cordoba, here we come. Maybe I'll be able to buy some Andean opals, I've wandered out loud to no one in particular after securing both the cat carriers and my seatbelt. How can you think about shopping at a time like this? Tonio wanted to know. I'm not, I grinned. I'm thinking about opals. Yummy blue-green Andean opals. It was a long drive even when you're being driven. The seats are comfortable and with the occasional cat break to keep our feline friends happy. It was a slow and steady pace on the bumpy road, but thanks to the superior suspension, we were eventually lulled to sleep as dusk fell, and later still replaced by darkness. I awoke with a start as the vehicle came to a definite stop. The air that greeted me when I opened the car door felt crisp and filled with unexplored scents of a new place. We're here, I said almost reverently. Yeah, I can tell, Tonya mumbled sleepily, even though I have no idea where that is. The cabin was dark but spacious enough. A low cabin, presumably above the tree line, felt kind of surreal. The sleepy part of me wondered how it had got there. When? and what the locals thought about it. You just settle in, go for some gentle walks, and have a look around. And you, Bron looked at the cats. I only talk to her, Kachina said, huffy after the long drive. That's okay, as long as you listen to me, I heard the smile in Bron's voice. You two stay inside for now, especially at night. 
Kachina sassied off towards what I presumed was a bedroom, while Pellucci looked a bit crestfallen. He had no doubt hoped to roam new grounds. "'I don't think your mum would forgive me if something happened to you. There are some real big cats out there, and other things.' At the word mum I cringed. If there was one thing I'd never had any desire to be, it was anyone's mum or mama. I knew this sometimes saddened Tonio a little, even though he did his best to hide it. I had seen him play with his little nieces and nephews enough to know he adored them and they him. I preferred nature and cats. I loved peace and quiet and had yet to meet a cat I didn't like. Children to me were noisy and their constant demands drove me up the wall. If I had wanted a drill sergeant to run my life, I would have joined the army. I always felt awkward around them, and the whole body-fluid thing made me queasy just thinking about it. While the guys brought the bags in, I picked a place for a kitty corner with food and water, and in another the litter box the cats rarely used at home, preferring to do their business out of doors whenever possible. It was late, so Manolo showed Tonio where the wood for the wood burner was stored before wishing us a good night and a pleasant stay. He's not driving back now, is he? I was concerned, knowing only too well the crazy hours some Mexicans worked. I shouldn't think so. He has friends in town, so he'll probably see them, Bron explained. That's okay, then, seeing as we have no guest room to offer him. I was fishing a little, I admit wanting to know if Bron slept or lived anywhere in our physical world. I'll be off too, then, and let you two unpack or do whatever you want to do for the night. Chill out and get a feel for the place, he winked at me. I'll see you in a few days. Good night. Before heading to bed, I ventured outside again to smell the freezing night air and attempt to contemplate the enormity of the last week. The sky was inky black, and the stars shone like spotlights in the distance. With practically no light pollution, it was breathtaking to behold. I wondered what my friends were up to, if Carla, with a K as she liked to introduce herself, the self-confessed, grumpy until I retired, now simply snarky, would have been able to capture the enormity and the feeling of falling upwards in one of her artworks. So awe-inspiring and to think that most people never got to see something like it. And even when they had the opportunity, didn't bother to look. I shivered and wrapped the parka tighter around me. It was so beautiful. My cloud buddy Simone had no doubt seen similar sights on her travels. Remembering the hours we'd spent happily watching the sky, taking pictures of all sorts of clouds and colourful sunsets, made me smile. It was, however, very cold, especially coming from a hot Mexican summer. Best go inside before I caught a chill. The first morning in Cordoba was equally chilly. Tonio breathed life back into the wood burner, and the cat selected to stay in bed while I made us breakfast from the box of provisions we'd picked up in La Paz. Living in the hurricane zone, meant we knew a thing or two about non-perishables and what to do with them. I'm feeling black and white today. I got black trousers, a grey and white jumper, a white hair bobble and black Doc Martens. I dread to think what we'll have for breakfast. Black or white coffee? 
scrambled egg whites with black refried beans, cream cheese on burnt toast, Tonya joked. No, silly. Whenever you're ready, there's French toast the way my dad used to make it, with parmesan cheese added to the eggs, and coffee, of course. Tonya had just finished clearing up when there was a knock on the door. I looked up from the bag I was unpacking. There was a lot of cat food. Both of our cats were former strays and not fussy about food, but neither were they used to a lot of change. I'd reasoned that keeping the diet a constant would be a good thing when everything else around them was in flux, so I'd packed a lot just to be on the safe side. There was some rapid conversation by the door, and a young woman entered, carrying a covered clay dish. She made me think of a squirrel the way she scurried across the room towards the kitchen area. She placed the pot on the tiled bench and something else wrapped in paper she'd carried tucked under her arm next to it. I looked at Tonio, who mimed, I'll explain later. Just say thank you. Awkwardly, I held out a hand and introduced myself, and thanked the girl, who blushed and hurried out before I could ask her name. I gave Tonio a puzzled look. Local hospitality? It appears someone has arranged for us to have ready food delivered every day while we are here, prepared by the girl's mother, he mused. That's awfully sweet. I don't know what to say. It sure saves having to think about shopping and cooking away from home, with unfamiliar ingredients and utensils. Tonya nodded. I hadn't given it much thought, to be honest, he admitted. Anyway, what do you want to do now? Shall we have a nose around and see what this place looks like in daylight? Sure. Just let me brush my teeth and I'll be good to go. While you do that, I'll bring some more wood in. Feels like stepping back in time, doesn't it, having a wood burner? I love it. It makes such a cosy change from our hot and humid part of the world. There wasn't much to see. We found we were on the outskirts of town. I used that term loosely, as it seemed a bit of an exaggeration, more like an overgrown village. It reminded me of Celestun, a place situated on the opposite side of the Yucatan Peninsula, famous for its pink flamingo population. Cordoba sported a dozen shops around a central square, making me want to secretly call them trading posts. I suppressed a giggle. I must have some other incarnation as a pioneer or settler stirring in me. Oh, yes, there'd be covered wagons, all right. A second later, guilt washed over me, and I gave a silent prayer apologizing for any part, any other incarnation of me may have played in causing pain or suffering to any First Nation people. The damage us Europeans caused wherever we went felt crushing. In contrast to new settlements on the prairies, Cordoba did not look new. With the exception of a few buildings, it looked more turn of the last century. Like many a small town, it sported a post office come newsagent come tobaccoist, a small grocery shop, two comodores, family-run eateries with a couple of plastic tables and chairs, offering filling and inexpensive food in the morning and afternoon. What looked like it could be a hardware store, and what passed for a butcher's stroke deli. Three ancient-looking women were selling fruit and vegetables in the most sheltered corner of the Zocalo, the square, and surprise, surprise, an internet cafe where a small clutch of children were mostly playing games. 
Tonya bought some funny-looking fruits neither of us could identify from the old ladies, and sat on a low stone wall outside the church to watch the world go by. Which it did, very slowly. I wondered what people who lived here did for a living, or indeed for entertainment. Probably much the same as any small Mexican town or village in the evening. Hang out in the Zocalo, weather permitting, socialising. Funny that. No one ever seems to have any money, yet there is always beer. Here, from what I'd learnt online, it probably included chewing coca leaves instead. Watch it, you'll go all existential questions next, teased Tonio. I pulled myself back to the present moment, rather than composing a journal of questions inside my head. Got me. Now what do we do? How about we grab some drinks and go for a gentle hike? All right. As long as it's at sloth speed, I'm still feeling this altitude thing. You set the pace then. Vamos. So, I said the following morning, we're here. Now what do we do? Jack, do you really think they'll bring us all the way here and even arrange food to be delivered each day and then leave it like that? No, of course not. I'm just worried that I'm missing something, that I should be doing something that I'm being tested and somehow should just know what to do next, that perhaps I missed some telepathic clue or transmission. Why don't we go for another walk, see if we can find somewhere inspiring to meditate and see what happens, and just take it from there. Thus we set out, notepads, water, and woolen ponchos we found in the cabin to keep us warm while sitting still. Tonio likes to doodle meditate. He says he gets his best ideas that way. I seem to like to be prepared to write down any insights or unexpected associations before I forget the details. Soon our days fell into a daily routine of taking long walks and meditating in different places. Tonya was sketching while I took photographs of flora and fauna. But apart from getting a feel for the landscape, nothing particularly interesting transpired. I could feel the stress and tension building over what I saw as my lack of progress, or rather, failure. We had been in Cordoba for almost a week, and I still woke up surprised and disoriented in the mornings, wondering not only where I was, but when. Then rapidly progressing to question if I'd lost my mind, memory, and was about to lose the plot altogether. I felt I'd done nothing to deserve being chosen for this, or to assure their vote of confidence. I looked out the window and sighed, as my mind replayed our verbal exchange from earlier. Tonio had gone out to get the weekly paper and got talking to someone in the Zocalo, and was relaying what he had learnt to me. Recovering from an upset stomach, I'd been unable to go with him, and instead ended up stewing in my own insecurities. I thought I'd managed to siphon off enough to make myself safe to be around. I was wrong. It started innocently enough. It's called Colina Dorada, or Golden Hill. It got its name from the colour it goes when the sun sets, painting it all gold. I'm restless! You're always restless, Jack. More or less. That's the way you are. I know, but it's like, I'm here, now what? I don't know what to do. And you're asking me? 
Sometimes I want to curse this energy sensitivity. It does its own thing. It's unreliable. It's not enough, and at the same time, it's too much. I threw my hands up, punching the air. I expected some sort of insight to come rather promptly, like answers to questions, but I haven't even got any questions to ask yet. I don't know what part of the ballpark to look. I'm not sure I'm following you here. What if I can't do it? What if I can't do what they want? What? Where did that come from? What if I can't do it, Donya? Calm down, Jack. Of course you can do it. They know you can. That's why they chose you. But what if this is the time I fail? Everything will be all right. Relax, Jack. I thought you said the cats gave you a pep talk. But what if I get nothing? Can I just sit around here and wait? Stop stressing. You'll be fine. But I wasn't even their first choice. You were the one they finally decided on, and you're here. So stop spinning your wheels. Let's go for a meander around, shall we? I can tell you some more local legends. Tonio had found a small book on local lore in the newsagents that he was reading, but it was in Spanish. But I haven't actually done anything for them since we arrived here. Not written a word worth its ink. I've done nothing. I've just been useless. My voice cracked. I was close to tears. Come on, grab the MP3 player and a notepad. Let's see if we can find some old person who wants to talk, and if we can't get to hear another local story together. But no, but coat, hat, recorder, notepad, pen, extra pen, extra extra pen. I giggled in my bag, boots, all right. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Andino Andina is written, read, edited, and produced by me. Copyright Liz Rosales, 2014 and 2021. If you're a publisher and want to read the full manuscript, contact me.